Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church, Goodyear, Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. Good morning, Compass Church. How are we doing? Yeah, you guys have got some energy this morning. I'm excited for that. Well, I'm Kent Schlecht. Uh, I am the church planning resident here at Compass. I'm excited to be jumping into a new series this morning. We're going to be uh, starting our series called Inside Out. It's corresponding uh, to the event Inside Out that's going to happen in two weeks. So for the next two weeks, next two weekends, we're going to be going over and talking about the the event. But more importantly, we're going to be talking about why we do the event, equipping us with the why, equipping us with the reason why we're going to go out. Before I do, some of you guys may not be familiar with Inside Out, so let me just explain what that is for a moment. Uh, So Inside Out is a Sunday where we close down the church. We don't have church services, but instead we come, we gather, and then we spread out throughout the city. There'll be some people staying here to do some packing uh, with the donations you guys bring in that are listed on that card in your program you're handed. Some people stay here. The others of us go out to projects all throughout the city and this uh, West Valley. And we're super excited to see this. And it's really our ability and our, our time to, to demonstrate God's grace to our community as we serve the community and, and show them the gospel of Jesus. And it's just a wonderful time. So I'm, I'm super excited for that event. And so for the next two weeks, what we're gonna do again is we're gonna prepare our hearts, equip us with why we go to do this event. Pastor Tim uh, is gonna speak next week a little bit more to finish this series off. Uh, but he also spoke on this uh, a few weekends ago when he was talking for, on our series called Battleship. And, and he highlighted the vision of our church, and specifically the vision of of our church to reach our community. And so if you're wondering how this all connects and how it's going to help accomplish our bigger vision as a church, I encourage you to go check out that on our website. So why should we do this event? Or better yet, maybe it's why should I do this event? Well, I'm so glad you asked. See, there's nothing more powerful and challenging to an onlooking world than life transformation. Our hope is to see life transformation happening in our community. Remember, you've been given a new life in Jesus through the gospel. And and ultimately, sometimes we kind of know the, the right answer for why we should go do something like this, but it's a whole lot more than just because we're supposed to. And as we open up to Colossians chapter three, verses one through four, we're gonna see just that that new life transforms us from the inside out. And as this gives us the reason for our involvement with this event, we're gonna need to be challenged as well. So open up to Colossians chapter three, verses one through four. If you have your Bible or your app, or you can follow on the screen. Let's read this and we'll talk a little bit more about it. Colossians chapter three, verse one says, if then you have been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It may be earth-shattering news to you, that when you believed in Jesus, that you were given a new life, 
that you were raised again with Jesus, that you were raised from the dead. So we have to remind you that each and every one of us were dead. We were dead in our sins, our trespasses, and in the brokenness of our own making and that which was already in the world. We were dead. Just look back at chapter two, verses 13 and 14. It says this, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. What an awesome verse. We were dead. We were dead, dead just to emphasize dead, right? We weren't Princess Bride mostly dead, right? Great movie. We didn't need just a magical potion to bring us back to life, to, to revive our bodies. No, we needed a resurrection. We needed a whole new life. And God did just that for us in Jesus. This is the gospel. This is the good news. God created us to be with him. We just finished our series X and Y and we talked about that in the beginning, God created us male and female. He created us in his image and we have value and worth and God loves us and he, and he meant from the beginning for us always to have relationship with him. But sin and brokenness have separated us from him and it's caused a divide where we couldn't get back to him. There's nothing that we could have done or changed to, to bring the balance back into relationship with God. We were hopeless, lost. So we sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to die the death that we deserved. He lived the life that we couldn't live, a perfect life. And then God, after he died, raised him from the dead and now demonstrating to everyone that whoever puts their hope, whoever puts their trust, trust and faith in Jesus would have this new life. They would be resurrected from the dead. They would be given a new life. That's why this statement, we've been raised with Christ, is such a great summary of the good news, of the gospel that we've believed. We have new life in Jesus. This new life has a purpose. It's for us to see transformation, not just internally in us, but externally in the world around us. See, new life does something. It changes us as we move from one pursuit to another. Just look at the next part of the verse. Back in verse one, he says, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. There's movement being described here. To, to say it a different way, there's transformation occurring See, Paul, he's the author of the book of Colossians, and he's stating these two ideas, this idea that we were to set our minds on things above and not set our minds on things on earth. And really, when we think about these two ideas, they're really just this, the two sides of the same coin. So I brought a coin up here with me today. Maybe you can't see that clearly, but this is what we call money. You know, maybe you don't carry this with you anymore, right? It, two sides of the same coin. And what's interesting about that is, is we are to seek one and not seek the other. And, and what I find interesting about that is when I look at heads, I'm not looking at tails. And vice versa, when I'm, when I'm setting my mind on tails, I'm not setting my mind on heads. 
And, and maybe this just brings you back to a time when you were younger, uh, maybe with your friends and you're trying to decide maybe where to eat or hang out or what to do. You're just arguing, you can't decide. So someone says, hey, let's flip a coin, right? So you flip a coin. Maybe you do this at work still. You're like, should we do this contract? Should we not? Or maybe you're like, should I call in sick today? Should I not call in sick? It's the flip of the coin. But what happens, we, we flip the coin and we call it in the air, right? And we ask, what is it, right? What well, was tails? But what the important thing is, is when you flipped it in the air and you set your mind on the outcome, you, you set your mind on a side of the coin, didn't you? You, you said, I, I want heads. And, and then ultimately by choosing heads, you were not choosing tails. And this is what's being described here, that, that these two things can't be sought at the same time. You, you do one or the other. Movement towards one of these things, the things above, it means movement away from the other things on earth. Transformation, it's movement. We're moving from the inside out. But we first have to identify these sides of the coin, don't we? What do we mean by things on earth? Well, check out verse five. It helps us understand what, that, what is meant by that. It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He spells it out clearly what he means by earthly. All these desires, these, these passions. What's interesting was when I read that initially, I, I, I thought about like what's earthly, like what do we mean like the physical things of this life? And for some of us coming into church, maybe we've been to church before and we're going, oh no, here we go again, right? <laughs> you can't have anything nice. You're not supposed to have anything extra, right? Everything's got, oh man, like things, things that are physical are bad. Things that are spiritual are good, right? That's not what the Bible, that's not the message of the Bible. It's not what this passage is declaring. In fact, actually, we, we know that, that we shouldn't feel bad about our possessions because in fact, God, God gives us our possessions to be stewards of. And in fact, we know that, that the blessing of God can sometimes come in the form of possessions, and many possessions. But ultimately, the, the, the Bible teaches us that the possessions in and of themselves cannot bring us satisfaction. And that when we put our worth and our value and our hope and our satisfaction in things, possessions, physical things, it will never satisfy our hearts. The deep longings that our hearts have. But what's being defined as earthly then? What's well, these passions and desires that are inside of us? Th these things that, that, that want in the end of themselves to be fulfilled. See, I love how this list ends. It says idolatry. Let me just remind us a little bit about idolatry because some of us might be familiar with idolatry, but it's important that we understand uh, it, idolatry is like when, when someone has like a little statue, right? And like it has a statue and, and maybe it's, we usually call it an idol, if you, idolatry. And so what happens is they, they either worship or bow down to it or they're seeking its guidance and help in some way. And ultimately they're putting their, their, their hope into something that was created and not the creator. And so it's seen as wrong. And I think for us, we, we think, well, we can shrug that off because we live in a pretty progressive and modern world, don't we? We don't have these little idols. But really, anything that we own or even we aspire to can be an idol. And so we have these in our lives all over the place. And we have to put these away from us. But I think one idol that's very common, maybe in your life, but for sure in mine, is the idol of self. 
The idol of self, we, we idolize what we want. It, when it comes to when we look at something, we say, well, what do I want from this? How, how do I get the most from this? What's gonna bring me the most out of this life? And we have no regard for others around us. It's this, he says, put to death. Put to death. He lists some other things along with it, and, and with these things, there's gonna be a, a bigger dynamic than just me. Look at verses eight and nine. He continues to explain what we are, what's earthly and what we are to put away from ourselves. He says in verse eight, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old practices. Here's the thing, there's a bigger dynamic that happens with these, right? In order for you to actually be angry or, or bitter or slander or all these things, you have to be in relationship. And he's saying that, that, that when, a, when it comes to groups of people, we have to put this stuff away from us. No one wants to come in to be part of a group where everyone's angry and slandering and lying to each other. And I think that's important for us to hear because there's both an individual thing that God might be calling us to get rid of in our lives this morning but there might be something bigger that maybe that's happening that, that we're not completely uh, have to own, but maybe we're contributing towards. Maybe there's a dynamic in a group that you're part of that's just wrong and needs to be put away from yourselves. Here's the thing, we're gonna go and do inside out. We're gonna go witness and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna proclaim the good news to Jesus. And, and guess what? People are gonna probably come back to church because of that which is exciting, but what are they gonna come back to? People who are slandering, hurting, and, 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 and destroying each other? Here's the reality, we're not perfect people. We're not, we're, we're gonna hurt each other, but we have God's grace and what we should be seeking to put these things away from us. There's both an individual thing, so God might be laying on your heart this morning about something that you ought to be putting away. I encourage you to do that. But I don't stand up here as judge and jury. I don't stand up here saying that I don't, I'm perfect and you guys gotta be more like me. There's areas in my life I wish that you would not be more like me because there's things that I still struggle with and I still struggle with and, and God continues to tell me, put this away from you. And folks, there's things that are gonna keep coming up. These aren't, it's not something you just say, you put away from yourself one time, you're like, hey, I'm done. These are things that we continue to have to put away, to put to death. 